Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. That's pretty good. All right. Whoa, yeah. Yes. Okay, Ephesians, chapter 4. Now, I'm watching our, a little bit of our time here. We are, we, are, uh, we are at an axis point, a pivot in the letter to the church at Ephesus and those who would read it in chapter 4. Of course, there's not chapters in the original, but uh, our, our, there are, we have six chapters that it's divided into. And so if you're going to divide it, it makes sense to divide it here because it's chapter 4. But it's also, uh, from a literary standpoint, from an interpretive standpoint, this is where Paul makes a significant shift in his writing. And so far, he has been telling us the glory and the wonder and the worship of what is true, what God has done for us in Christ. And, and now he is shifting, going to shift and tell us uh, that we should and then how we should live because of what God has done for us in Christ. And I use the word because, that it is the reason, but he, what he has done gives cause. It is the cause, it is the catalyst, it is the enabling for us to live according to what he has done. So here's what he says in uh, the, the first six verses of chapter 4. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That This passage is about the priority of unity. This is going to be important from an interpretive standpoint. Let me just salt this out there, that for the next, even the couple of weeks, the, the theme is still about us all. Could you say us all? It's still about everybody. But right now, we're, it's about the, uh, he's emphasizing unity, that in Christ, we walk in unity, keeping the bond of peace. And he give, begins in verse 1 by saying this, I urge you as a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This is a comprehensive therefore. Paul is here laying claim to the whole of our lives, saying that the whole of our lives should be lived or walked one step at a time uh, in, in, as a reflection of the calling we have received. This is a principle that must rule all Christian conduct. Everything, every step we take as believers should express, should reflect the calling to walk worthy of this calling. Remember what God has done for you and walk worthy of it. Yeah. Now, you might say, golly, only the holiest soul could ever be worthy of such magnificent grace. You're right. But you've already received that grace. So you walk 
worthy of it. You walk in response to it. The standard. The standard of our conduct, our life as believers, is the grace that we have received. I suppose too often, or more often than than should, uh, folks kind of look for a standard, a measure, uh, something to measure against in terms of how we should live. Unfortunately, too often folks want to measure their lives against the standard of the world. And there's not, that's not horrible. There's some, there's some measure of good there. That, well, the world's living like this. So you know what? We, Christ followers, we ought to live like this. Anybody disagree with that? Of course not. We ought to live up here. The problem is the world is in a perpetual state of decay. So when we say, oh, we're going to live up here. We're going to be above the world. Bless God. Here's the world. Well, we're going to take our standards three, maybe even this church, four we're Pentecostal, five. <laughs> five notches higher than the world. Oh, well, that's, so, that's terrific. That's great. We're going to live five notches higher than the world. But then the world is in consistent decay. So we're still five notches above. We're about 14 notches below where we were. So we do not, we do not, we do not res- live in response to the world around us. We live as a reflection of the grace that we have received. This pristine, this measureless, this powerful grace. Now, you might be saying right about now, whoa, how is that possible? How could I live? How can we, how can we ever live such high and holy lives? Exactly. This is why Paul has just prayed for us that we would be strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit in our inner person. So that we can live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Now, where does this principle first land? Where is he, where's he going to start? What, where, what's the first step in walking worthy of our calling? Ooh, that's a good question. If we're going to walk worthy of our calling, what's the first step? Verse 2. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Note where we start. This isn't the postscript. This isn't the also, uh, by the way, this is the, found, the foundation of walking worthy of our calling begins with lowliness, humility, with all. Someone say all. All, all full, supreme, total, all possible, every kind, in all situations, at all times, walk in humility. We've received this magnificent grace. I am seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Behold my awesome prestige. Well, how are you going to reflect that high status, that powerful posture? With all complete, total, every time, every way, humility. 
Humility means that I don't see myself as the main event. Humility is basically these words. It is not about me. Anybody want to try it? It is not about me. I know that. Well, how will help, hey, Dav, yeah? How will humility help my rep? How will humility get me more control or more influence or more attention or more power or more praise or more likes or more followers? It will not. But it will please God. And it will honor your calling. Secondly, gentleness. Somebody say it out loud. Gentleness means this. Most simply, I think most clearly, gentleness means this. Be careful with people. Be careful with people. We don't treat them like they're fragile. We treat them like they're valuable. You are careful with your valuable. Be careful with people. Gentleness shuns hostility. Gentleness isn't reckless or rash. Gentleness does not pride itself on how direct it is. It does not justify how easy it is to walk over people or on them. If you want to honor the Spirit, if you want to walk worthy of your calling, be careful with others. How many thought Paul might have started more spectacularly? More flashing lights and whistles and bells. Worthy of our calling. Ooh, this is going to be big. This is going to be big. Uh, Be completely humble. Be gentle with people. And then this one. With long suffering. Everybody say long suffering. suffering. That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, Brownie's been in one. The best way to say it is is to take a long time saying it. The best way to understand long suffering is to just use all, just just stretch it out. Long suffering uh, has the root of the word. The idea of the word is to um, is to uh, uh, never give up and never give in. That's good. Long-suffering. Never give up. Never give in. But it, this is not about enduring hardship or enduring a challenge without losing it. This is about enduring people. Without losing it. Long-suffering means having a very long fuse with people. To endure them long time with love. Right? Bearing with one another. Somebody say that, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. You cannot bear with people that you 
are that you avoid. You cannot bear with people and stay away from people. Bearing with them means that we are, we are with one another. We are living life together, doing life together. And we are bearing with one another in love. This is how we promote or protect peace, by bearing with one another, not controlling one another. You know, control is a symptom of fear and anxiety. Control is what Sith lords do and tyrants they always say they have the best. Everybody, everything would be better if everyone just did what I wanted. I agree. But that's not the way to peace. Control is a symptom of anxiety. Criticism is a symptom of bitterness and entitlement and ingratitude. But bearing with one another is a symptom of love. Endeavoring, verse 3, endeavoring... Doing our, I don't want to say doing your darndest, but that's what it means. Uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the why. The why behind lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering is to endeavor to keep this, that, that unity. To endeavor means to labor, to be earnest, to be, give diligent effort, to keep the unity of the Spirit. So, someone say keep it. Keep it. See, the, you didn't make it. You didn't start it. You didn't initiate this. You didn't create this. All of Christian life is living in response to the grace of God. And the grace of God is behind the peace that we have. It is the unity of the Spirit. He says, keep it. Protect it. You've been given. Ow! You want to go back on the screen and shout a little bit. I'm louder overseas. Um, uh, uh, I get to to speak with both lungs over there. Uh, But... uh, Uh, you've been given something unbelievably precious in the gift of the Spirit. And it is is something that God has given us and it is our uh, opportunity, responsibility to cherish it, to protect it, this unity of the Spirit. You keep it, you protect it, you preserve it. And that unity, you say, well, how do we do that? What does it look like? That unity is characterized, it looks like peace. It is the bond of peace. Peace defines and characterizes the unity of the Spirit among us. This is where the rule of the Spirit must begin and remain. I said, how many of you want you know, God to pour out His Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit to have free reign and free power and free rule in the house. A lot of you would say, "Woo, yeah, shout, revival. That's what we want. And we do. And it's, and what, but according to the Word, it, where it should begin and continue is this bond of peace among us. Throughout history, there's been wonderful outpourings, wonderful moves of God, wonderful revivals. How many like revival? You know, and, and sometimes people look at revival and they, and then they, they, sometimes they ask, I wonder why did it, it's a common question, why did it stop? What happened? And too often people respond and they say, well, <clears throat> God is sovereign. And what they mean by that is they say, well, God is sovereign and he changed his mind. He liked revival for a while, but apparently sovereignly he decided to stop. God is sovereign, but he's not moody.
He doesn't spend a decade really being in the mood to get a bunch of people saved. And then the next decade, you know, pass. God is always in the mood for revival. God is always in the mood for the church to be vibrant and alive and effective and influencing. So what happens? Well, not to oversimplify everything, but more often than not, this happens. That we get, people can get caught up in uh, what's happening out there and neglect to steward what God wants to happen in here. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. One of the most effective things we could ever do to hinder, to quench, to grieve what God wants to accomplish in and through this house is to neglect the bond of peace. But if we want to steward something great, this is where we start. If we want to steward something fantastic, something remarkable, something generational, we're going to, we'll start here and stay here. We're going to keep, protect the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why do we why prioritize unity? Because of verses 4 through 6 tell us that unity reflects and expresses our hope, our message, the eternal truth of the gospel. Verses 4 through 6, because there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of us all. There's one body with Christ as the head, one spirit with whom we have all been sealed, one hope. We all share the same hope in this room. We all share the same, you should all share the same hope in this room. Does, anybody, does everybody in here have a hope of heaven? We all share the same hope. Of, we are all passengers on the same train headed to the same place. We all have one hope. We have one faith. We don't believe that all, all faiths lead to God. We have one faith. We believe that God has given one name, that there is one name under heaven by which all men must be saved. This doesn't mean that we don't have, we have, we don't have differences or nuances and different interpretations, but our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that he came, that he died, that he rose, and that he's coming back again. And they have one baptism. One baptism. Well, Dav, some people get sprinkled, some people get dunked, and some people get, I don't know, lots of things. <laughs> Sprayed, I don't know. There's lots of, all kinds of baptisms. People do have to do all kinds of things. I've heard stories of soldiers in, the, in, the, in, a, in a, what's that thing when they dig the hole, Dad? Yeah, the trench there. Soldiers in the trench licking their fingers and spitting on folk. I think it worked. We have a horse trough. We got a new one because the old one sprung a leak. A few months ago, somebody wanted to get baptized. They said, we can't because the baptism leaked. They said, well, they're coming anyway. So we went, we went Episcopalian on them. 
or something. We went high church. Made sure the Nessas weren't watching. We got some water, and I put it in my hands, and I just sprinkled them on their head. And you know what happened? If you were here, you know. Holy Ghost came down. Whoa. You know why? Because there's one baptism. We're all different when we go in, but we all come out the same. We come out followers of Jesus Christ, branded by the Holy Spirit, followers of Jesus. We have one God, one God that we love, one God that we serve, one God by whom, from whom we are profoundly and immeasurably loved. So it makes sense. It makes sense that Paul urging us with all of his energy and feeling to walk with every single step we take worthy of this calling that we have received for him to start by saying, so walk in a way that honors the unity of the Spirit, that protects the bond of peace. Walk with humility. Walk with gentleness. Walk with long suffering. Making every effort you have bearing with one another in love. What if in this broken world of division and hostility what if the church of Jesus Christ was a beacon of peace? What if we could model the peace of God that comes from the unity of the Spirit. What if we lived in that bond? What if we raised our families in this bond of peace? What if we could steward uh, I'll say it again one of the greatest moves of God but steward it for a generation because we'll keep the bond of peace. Spirit of the Lord, we reverence your presence. We thank you, Lord, that this bond is not one that we invent, but one that we respond to. We honor the presence of Jesus, the gift of your spirit. And may, Lord, may our lives be characterized by the peace we share with each other. This we pray in the mighty, matchless, miraculous name of Jesus. Does anybody in the house have an amen? Can we stand the Lord and can we stand together and give the Lord praise? Can we do it? Can we thank the Lord? Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we magnify your name. Thank you. 
Thank you for this grace that we have received. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Friends, thank you for being here today. Pray that you stick around for a few minutes, maybe in the cafe. Find your kids. They're looking for you. Thanks for your patience. It's been a great morning. Go in the peace of God. God bless you.